Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake, on the show. We talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. I am happy to be back, and I am not alone here today. Joining me today, I have Mr. E-Love here with me. Also, we got a lot we got to talk about today. We have a ton of Patriots stuff. Divisional round, we got the AFC Championship coming up. Tom Brady named MVP in the last hour, which we got to talk about that. Talk about the Patriots' entire coaching staff seemingly going somewhere, somewhere else with all the coach movements. We got nothing to talk about the MLB, but that's the entire point is why we have to talk about it. And the Celtics trade deadline's coming up. What are we going to talk about? Most boring trade deadline around here in Boston in a couple of years. But anyway, though, if you want to weigh in on any of these things, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or comment on Facebook on the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Anyway, though, with all of that out of the way, you listen to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, and we're going to dive right in. So, yes, I'm back. I apologize for being gone for so long. I had the one episode of Stadium Experience in the sunshine, and that was exciting. I was really happy to have done that. Then I didn't do the second episode because, frankly, I was in Hawaii and got way too wrapped up in, in stuff that wasn't yelling about sports. You were in Hawaii? Oh, yeah, you love You didn't see it? No, I didn't. Oh, yeah, the first week I was there, I did a broadcast live from Hawaii. I was only on Facebook Live, brought the little recorder that Mike gave me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I broadcast straight there from Hawaii. And then I was going to do it the next week. Yeah. And I was just, just kind of didn't. And okay. then the week, and then I was supposed to get back. What made you not do it the next week? I uh, mean, what happened? Honestly, I was just, my family just booked like an ex- a scuba excursion. I wasn't about to be like, hold up, fam. Like, oh, I got to I gotta do my podcast instead. Like, I got to do my radio show on the porch. So, and also it was fun too, because, you know, like the time zones, they're five hours behind us. So, like, oh, I, of course. So I would, I had to start it at 11 a.m. there. Yeah. Also, watching football there is a nightmare Why? because. You can't decipher the uh, the time zone. No, I just have to, I just I knew I could decipher it. It's just getting up at eight a.m. to have to watch football. Is well, just... if you are a true football and fan, I was you I... don't mind getting up at eight a.m. I was up at eight a.m. watching Patriots Bills and Patriots Jets, which are obviously the two most exciting games of the year. Uh, okay, so, you know that was fun. And then yeah, and then I was going to I was supposed to get back on a Tuesday. But then just because of American Airlines being incompetent, we're not endorsed by American Airlines here at XIN, but because of them being completely incompetent, I ended up getting back like Wednesday night. Well, at least you got an extra day. Oh, no, 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 no. This day was spent traveling. Some of it was spent in Phoenix. Some of it was spent in Dallas. Some of it was spent in North Carolina. Oh. No, 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 no. Yeah, I know about those. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, no, no. It was not an extra day in Hawaii. It was an extra day in airports, which I hate. Uh So, I didn't do my show then, and then... The week after that, I was just kind of busy doing a lot of housework, and I wasn't able to come in and do the show. So anyway, so and I almost wasn't going to be able to do the show tonight because we were supposed to have a Rick basketball doubleheader that started at 530. So I have to be setting up for that right now. But instead, since that got moved, thanks to this two inches of snow we have, I'm here. Stadium Experience is live on the first Wednesday of the new semester, which is perfect. I didn't want to start a semester late. I thought we'd lose my time slot. So here we are, Jake Elmsley. Bancraft Love, E-Love, host of The Night Train, Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. No on doubt. WXIN every week. The longest tenured show on the station? Indeed. Longest tenured show on the station. How many years of continuing, continuous 
airing? Uh, probably about uh, let's see now, twenty eighteen. It's 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 up there. It's it's like 10, 20 years. So speaking of ten to twenty years of sustained success, our leading story, yes, which broke in the last hour, that the Pro Football Writers Association has named. Tom Brady, MVP of the league. Also, they named Todd Gurley Offensive Player of the Year. And they uh, named Calais Gamble Defensive Player of the Year. I'm sorry. Well, hang on. I'm sorry. All right. I'm going to be the... What did Skip Baylor say? We are prisoners of the moment. Of the moment? Yeah. We are prisoners of the moment because we seem to forget what Carson Wentz did from... um. Week one mm-hmm. to week fourteen. Fair. How and, and look, I can't understand how Tom Brady just basically eclipsed him because he had a injury. That's just wrong. That's not well no, that's not wrong though, because I wanna see what 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 are their numbers? What are their up, numbers? I'm, I'm actually pulling them up right now. All right, let's see numbers. the numbers, please, because that's just not that's just not right. All right, let's pull up the passing. All right, let's pull up the passing. Mm-hmm. All right, passing yards. What? I'm, not, I'm having a very hard time getting the actual yards up. Okay. Nope. nope. These are postseason. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Hang forget on. the postseason. Yeah, let's get the regular season. Yeah. Right. Well, forget postseason. Carson Wentz isn't in it. But mm, of course. <laughs> let's get the po- regular season numbers up here. Mm-hmm. And Tom Brady led the league in yards. Okay. Four. 4,570, which, wow, really, 4,570, 4,600 led the league. That's ridiculous. So 40, that, that's what I'm saying. 4,577 yards. Now, what was Carson Wentz? Um, thing Carson they've... Wentz was at 3,200. Oh, please. So a 1,500-yard difference. And listen, but listen, and before we get into boiling down, like, what the numbers are exactly, okay. I will say this, that if the league is being consistent, uh-huh. which seemingly they're trying to be, the league did last year. Brady probably within the twelve games he played, yeah, was the best quarterback statistically. I think that's very hard. I think he was an MVP candidate for a reason last year. Okay, but he didn't win. And well, I mean, it's different than getting hurt because you know maybe he cheated or that was that was why he wasn't playing. But mm-hmm. still, like they showed that they will value sixteen games. Mm-hmm. That that is what you know that they without saying it that the MVP should be somebody who plays sixteen games. Right is what that took because within okay. those twelve game stretch he was better than Matt Ryan. So if that and I okay. and that was why I said like no like last year I was saying no Brady shouldn't be the and I didn't have a show then so I could just be saying this now to present for my point. But I, I however much you trust me last year when I was talking to friends mm-hmm. I was saying you know Brady shouldn't be the MVP. Okay the MVP is the most valuable player and Brady didn't play a third of the season okay. a fourth of the season excuse me so how can he be the MVP the most valuable player to a team when he didn't play four out of sixteen games all right okay so if they're going by that logic and listen I think that Tom Brady and Carson Wentz were neck and neck oh they were neck and neck they were like the entire time when Carson Wentz was playing it was like one A one B you could okay. say one or the other but if they're neck but who and, you who would you give the edge to I probably would have given the edge to Brady because the Patriots sucked so much in the early part of the season like around him the team was not good. He, so, so he, you, so you basically yes. say all I right. would have given it. I probably would have given it to Brady. Then I wouldn't have argued really going to Carson Wentz. I think that would have been just as fair. But if they're neck and neck, and then one also played two, two and a half more games than the other one, mm-hmm. and their teams had similar success, it just it, it makes sense that it would go to the guy whose team actually played, who was able to finish out the whole season. Okay, is all, all right. that I'd say. All right, that's and, fair. And the guy who I do think carried a worse team. Like, I do think that, you know, on balance, like, the Patriots' defense was so horrendous in the first chunk of the year. Mm-hmm. But that, did they win their games? 
Yes, and they won. Well, they won two of them, and they won them because of Tom Brady, and okay. really solely because of Brady had the team on his back. And really, he's had the team on his back the whole year. Mm-hmm. But at least in like you know, like the second half of the year, like the running game caught up with him. Okay, the defense has been playing a lot better, which is in part due to Matt Patricia, which was a guy we're going to talk about much later in the show. When mm-hmm. we're joined by Joe, when it's time to do your Job, when we're joined by Job Gudrud of RealSports101.com. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if they're if that's the precedent they set which I agree with because I think it's super hard to be the MVP when you didn't play the full 16 games. Yeah, I think you give it to Brady over Wentz. Okay. And then if it's not Brady or Wentz, like who, you know, who who is your, you know, is it Todd Gurley, who's a running back? And then also I kind of like in my mind, as much as I would like to see it not be a quarterback, mm-hmm. it's so hard to for any player who's not a quarterback to be the MVP in the NFL. So you're saying that a defensive player can't be the MVP? Honestly, it's just so because what kind of impact does a defensive player have to have to have a bigger impact on their team than having, you know, the best quarterback in the league in that given year would have? Because it's just the value of quarterback is weighted so heavily in in the sport. It's weighted more heavily than any position in any other sport. All right. okay. so so you're saying now that Sean Lee, who is like. The lifeblood of the Dallas <laughs> that Cowboys. Entire Dallas Cowboys defense. Defense yep. can't win the most valuable player. It's hard because, you know, if Tom Brady was on the Cowboys, how many of those games would they have won as well? It's just the point you make. It's just the quarterback position is so obscenely integral to football that it's so hard to imagine a defensive player having the kind of impact necessary to win MVP. Okay. And I just, and like, even that year when J.J. Watt was, you know, supposedly one of the guys in the running, like, mm-hmm. how good does a defensive player have to be where you'd rather have that guy on your team than an elite quarterback? Okay. Really, like, how good does any player at any position have to be to be more valuable than having, in like, a top-tier quarterback? Uh, is my only In point. 1982, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. Okay. 1982, a kicker was the most valuable player. Yeah, that's silly. That's silly. Beat out a quarterback. Who had astronomical numbers? Yeah, I just think, and I, maybe the way they looked at it, but that's just silly because in the end, like you take a kicker away from a team and replace him with a league average kicker, how much worse is that team going to be? You take away Tom Brady and replace him with Andy Dalton, how much worse are the Patriots going to be? Okay, like that. That's all. That's also how I evaluate MVP when right. I look at it. Is what player, if you took him off that team, mm-hmm. would the team have been? So much worse. Okay. Which I guess by that logic, you could also give the MVP to Aaron Rodgers this year. Uh, well, we, yeah, <laughs> technically. But no, you look like if the Patriots went from Brady to Hoyer, how much worse would they have been? A lot. And if you went from Carson Wentz to Foles, I think the drop off would have been a little less. Because just I think that the Eagles had more around Carson. And that's not. Well, you have to understand. Not that- me coming at Carson Wentz, by the way. Carson Wentz was excellent. It's not me saying. Like, but oh. you, have, you have to understand that uh, Nick Foles is no slouch either. Oh, trust me. I My 2012 football fan self is freaking out that Nick Foles is succeeding. But Exactly. No. But still, like, you get my point. Like, if you went to, like, an average. Yeah. Okay. I, white I bread basic QB. Like, right. it's just. I think that the Eagles. Do have a slightly better? They have a better defense. Mm-hmm, they and do. I think they have a they have a better line, mm-hmm. and they have just a better running game. And yep. I just think that overall, like you, this overall, like they have a slightly better team. Mm-hmm. So Brady and Wentz had similar impacts on their team, mm-hmm. and they had similar seasons. And just okay, then it's like okay, Brady's team is was slightly worse. Okay, so I would give it to the MVP to him. Mm-hmm. Now, on another hand, I'm kind of terrified now that he won MVP. Why? Because 
the other two times he's won MVP, they lost in the Super Bowl. So I don't know. Josh uh, Percy was just yelling at me in the office for being overly superstitious. But. Uh, well, they're meeting the Jags in the in the <laughs> AFC Championship, <laughs> Who are and we all know Tom Coughlin, which oh is, yeah, which is something I'll, which is something that we have slated for later on when it's time to yeah, when it's time to we, do. We will talk about that later. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. It but, will come up. Yeah, but they he he has a date with that defense, so um, good luck to him on that. Yeah, no, that'll come up later. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I want to save that for when Job joins yeah. us. Mm-hmm. So next thing I want to move because I want to because literally like I learned this news about the Brady MVP thing like mm-hmm. twenty minutes before the show, and I was struggling to write up my rundown, mm-hmm. and I just started like bouncing around the freaking studio after that. Yeah, we saw you walking all over the damn just because I got very excited, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now now I got now we got to show people. Yes, indeed. But, so just out of a sense of obligation, really, I'd like to take a look at the Patriots-Titans game, mm-hmm. which was obviously a slaughter. Patriots won 35-14 after they got off to a slow start. The mm-hmm. Titans were leading at the end of the first quarter, 7 mm-hmm. to nothing, and then yep. the Patriots just went, eh, screw you, yeah. and just completely took off. Mm-hmm. They, the pass rush was excellent. They had eight sacks. Overall from that game, Dietrich Wise and Grissom both had two, I believe, was guys who had two, and then everybody had had one. So mm-hmm. the pass rush looked good. The defense obviously looked excellent. I mean, it held them to 14 points, seven of which came at the very end in garbage time. So mm-hmm. basically for the entire midsection of the game, they held them completely scoreless. Uh, I don't like... I don't like the Titans' offense at oh, all. Oh, God, no. That that was not... Like, that was... Like, I, 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 like I, that's why just, I don't... Without... Take away Delaney Walker. Take away... Take away Delaney Walker. Mm-hmm. That offense is dead in the water. No, God, like that's like that's why I don't want to get like too excited about this game because that wasn't a playoff team. Like that for all like that was not a playoff team that they played. The Titans had a negative point differential exactly. this year. Exactly. Like they lo- they scored they scored less points than they that they scored against them this year. Like they 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 didn't win. Mm-hmm. They they were not that was not a playoff team. That was not a good team. Nope. Honestly, like that, like so that's why I don't want to look at it. Too much, you'd be like, oh, like Patriot tune-up game, like that was what it was. It's just like this. this freaking- it was a tune-up game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It was a tune-up game. I'm saying, I don't want to look at it and be like, oh, like see, like all the the. And this is the only time I'm gonna bring this up tonight. Hopefully, unless Joe brings it up, but like, oh, like all the Seth Wickersham stuff, like all the drama. Oh, they just they just threw that all to the wind. Like no, like them beating the Titans doesn't make me feel. The Titans just barely got by Buffalo. No, they beat uh Kansas City. Oh, did they beat Cam- yeah. who? Oh, the Jags yeah, beat Buffalo. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. So it's just like yeah, no, the Jags who they're playing this week barely beat Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and look what yeah, they did the, to Pittsburgh because the AFC is terrible. Yeah, the AFC is just garbage. Mm-hmm. But you look at it, and and it's good that they beat them convincingly. They absolutely beat them convincingly. They let Mariota pick up a couple of third downs with his legs, which has been like the number one thing to piss me off with this team all year has just been that. Okay. And I don't know why, but just when it, it's like ever since like the Sean Watson game, that just makes me angry whenever I see anybody do that. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, whatever. Like they looked good. James Harrison looked good. Yep. I think he was setting. He didn't have any sacks, but he was setting the edge mm-hmm. very well. Which you know is the point that I'm at with this team's front seven. That when a 40 year old man comes in, and I'm like, ooh. He's setting the edge. <laughs> Look at him. He set the edge. Yep. Wow. He's better than Cassius Marsh mm-hmm. with all his tattoos. Yep. But no, I. So that was good to see. Gronk looked okay. Oh, Gronk's Gronk always going to be Gronk. Good. 
Brady looked good. That was, the, I mean, that was yeah. the biggest thing because he did look bad like the last month of the year. Okay. Like if you want to make like the anti-Brady MVP case, it's that, well, the entire time Carson Wentz wasn't playing was Brady's worst stretch of the year. Mm-hmm. If you want to make the Brady not, which I think is completely fair. Okay. If that's the case you want to make. But so look, seeing Brady, he looked good. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest question mark from that game, well, two, were Brandon Cooks. Right. Still not looking great. Still has, I mean, he had a thousand yards this year, which, by the way, Brandon Cooks probably had the quietest thousand yard season I think I can, in recent memory, I can think of on the Patriots. Because it, it was, it's all Tom Brady. It's all Tom you, Brady. You, it doesn't you, feel like Brandon Cooks is making that kind of impact. We exactly, but yet he is. It's the quietest thousand yard runner I, I, in the National Football League. Nobody talks about him. Well, I think, well, I'm saying it's quiet because it doesn't feel like he's making the kind of impact. You hope for the guy who got a first round pick, and we hope that this guy is a big play player. And I think that that's fair to feel like he didn't make that impact because he put because he had the yards. But it, you know, what games did do you really feel like you watching like Brandon Cooks impacted this game? And the only one I can think of is the Raiders game. Yep. when they blew out mm-hmm. the Raiders in New Mexico, in New Mexico, in regular Mexico, in Mexico, old yeah. Mexico, mm-hmm. when they blew them out, and that was the only game I could think of where I was like, yeah, like Brandon Cooks is doing it in this game, like Brandon Cooks is going off. Maybe that's just because he had that long, long, long touchdown pass that made me throw a stool against, that almost made me throw a stool in Beer Garden. Which, <laughs> by the way, R.I.P. Beer Garden. Uh-oh. R.I.P. to them. They've closed down. Really? Oh, yeah. Beer Garden's gone. Oh, man. But that, so Brandon Cooks, I just feel like in this game, mm-hmm. there were a couple balls he could have laid out for, which people all year have been giving him crap for that. Like, he hasn't been laying out for balls, haven't been fighting for balls. Mm-hmm. And I haven't felt that so much. I've been I've been easy on Brandon Cooks most of the year. But I feel like I have been easy on him, at least. But definitely this week I saw it. Like, this week I was like, okay. Like, the uh, you peep, you, like, you know, you anti-Brandon Cooksers, you guys have been saying that is soft. Like, I, I see it in this game. Like, I saw it in that game. But... They were winning, but hopefully, you know, when they're going against a team like the Jaguars this week, who have play a lot of man, have tough corners, mm-hmm. I, I'm a little worried about how Brandon Cooks is going to go about getting separation because they're going to need everybody on offense to be clicking on all cylinders to score on that defense. And then the other guy who worried me coming out of that game was Malcolm Butler. Okay. Who obviously has had a very up and down season. Mm-hmm. After having an up and down off season, but Malcolm Bell's had an up and down off season. He had a very good game against Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. He's had some other good games. He's also had other bad games. It's definitely been like out of his three starting years, this has probably been his worst season, if not definitely his worst season. So that means he's still going to get a stupid amount of money from some team in the off season. But oh, of course, he needs to get paid. But Malcolm Bell's had a down season, and in this game, you know, sneakily. He didn't. Here I was saying I was just going to go over this game just because I feel like I have to. And now I'm just fine. Now I'm finding things to nitpick. But no, he gave up early in the game. He gave up the touchdown pass to Corey Davis, which mm-hmm. was a really great catch. But yep. still, he was. And then again, the end of the game. And I don't. I mean, like, you know, once again, I'm nitpicking at a blowout, but still, he gave up a second touchdown pass to Corey Davis. So. Mm-hmm. I would say that I'm a little, I'm not worried about him because like I said, he's been up and down all year, but that's not great to see. But then again, now they're going against another well, thing. I mean, the Titans didn't have great receivers, but now they're going against another team in the Jaguars who do not have a strong wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have D.D. Westbrook, Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee. Alan Hearns has not been good this year. Right. You know, he's the name people keep throwing out, but he has, he wasn't playing for long stretches of the year, even without Alan Robinson being there. Mm-hmm. So Alan Hearns has not been, you know, thousand yard receiving Alan Hearns. 
And then, you know, D.D. Westbrook. And, but by the way, I think D.D. Westbrook is going to be a star in this league. I think he's going oh, to eventually be a star. He's, an ex- he's looked excellent, but he's still not there yet. But I think he's going to eventually be a good player. But D.D. Westbrook and then, you know, Mark Easley. So the wide receivers don't bug me. For the now, the inverse, the other side of the coin was Stephon Gilmore was excellent mm-hmm. against the Titans. Mm. So that was good to see. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, those, I mean, do you have any any other notes from the Titans game? Mm, not really. I didn't look at anything else. I didn't, I didn't watch the whole thing. So. No, I mean, I can't blame you. Why would you? I, I didn't unless, watch the whole thing. Unless you're like me and you're going to come and you know you're going to come in here and have to nitpick the entire thing to the bone <laughs> and you want as much material as possible. Yep. You have no, I, you have I, no reason to watch the second half of that game, no. honestly. And that's, you know, it's what the division round, except for that one year where they lost to the Jets. That's kind of what the division round always has been for the Patriots in the last, like, six, five years. I mean, yeah. last year was the Texans, and that was the Brock Osweiler team. But that, that, that game actually kind of became a challenge. Mm-hmm. That game was tougher than you thought. That game was close. And you had the Chiefs the one year, and then the Tebow Broncos yeah. with Josh McDaniels as a head coach, and they just murdered them. Mm-hmm. They just took them and just bent them over. Yep. And just showed them, gave them the business. And then, God, who else even has it been? Just like the parade of, of junk teams in a divisional round because the AFC is just horrible. When you're getting number one seed and you're just getting these horrible, horrible teams, it's God, it makes the divisional round unwatchable. But you know what? Like, but their record, their record speaks for itself that yeah. they they deserve that. They, um, yeah, and the, they're going the, in and they're you know they're taking care of business. Right now, going to another team, and this is what we both want to do. I think you another team that was oh hello Kreiner, you timed you chimed in at the right time. Mm-hmm. Another team that was not taking care of business. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who, at home, <laughs> at home, lost 45. Well, first fell to a 21 nothing deficit and then wound up losing 45-42. Really 45-35. Yeah, not counting the exactly. Time but we'll count it for now. Until, yeah. But fine. They mm-hmm. lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which was so typical. And I don't want to sit here and say that I predicted it because I never put out predictions. I didn't have my show. So I'm not going to act like I had, like I made, I'm not going to gloat that I made the right prediction. But you know what I will gloat about? But E-Love? we all knew that that was going to happen. You know what I will say, you love? You know what I will gloat about? All uh-huh. year, I have been talking. All year, I've been saying this. I've been telling every this every week because, you know, for like um, two months, every time we were reviewing some stupid game against like the Broncos, I was also bringing up like, oh, well, the Pittsburgh game is a real game. The Pittsburgh game is a game we got to talk about. But all season, I kept bringing up that this Steelers team, under Mike Tomlin, constantly, every year, at some point, looks past opponents. Mm-hmm. They do. They look past opponents. Yep. They lose stupid games that they shouldn't you lose. And that's why I'm never afraid of the Steelers. That's why I'm just, I never am. Mm-hmm. Unless the Patriots look miserable. I am just honestly, just on balance, never afraid of this Steelers team. Because they don't prepare. They really do not prepare for their opponents. Mm-hmm. They look past them. Mm-hmm. They, and that's why they, you know, and that's why they play down to their competition constantly. That's why they almost lost to the Colts. Yep. That's why they almost lost to the Brett Hundley Packers, mm-hmm. who were awful. That's why they almost lost to the Browns at one point. Oh, of course. That's why, well, I mean, Landry Jones was in. But still, 
That's why they always lose or almost lose. to the. You know, I gave them credit this year because they didn't lose any of those games to terrible teams. Yeah, they basically they, come. They, they always almost come back. lost, mm-hmm. but they won those games. So I'm like, okay, maybe they're making progress. But still, they got pasted by the Jaguars, by the way. And yes, oh, the Steelers, yeah. in the entire Mike Tomlin era, era mm-hmm. always let these dumb teams come in at some point and beat them. Because they're not looking at them, they're not taking them seriously, mm-hmm. and they let this happen. Right. Like last year, lose to the Dolphins. They lose to the Dolphins. They lose games like that, and then you have Le'Veon Bell after the AFC Championship complaining like, oh, well, if we were at home, the Patriots, w- we would have beat them. It's like, yeah, well, Le'Veon, if you beat the teams in front of you, you, you would be the number one seed. Exactly. And yes, then you would be at home. Yep. But you guys are obsessed. Mm-hmm. And all week, I, you know, you know, I did. I knew this was going to happen because of how much crap. The, ja- the Jaguars. The Steelers were talking not about the Jaguars. How much crap they were talking about the Patriots. Mike Mitchell was looking past yeah. the Jaguars. Mike Mitchell. The- Mike Mitchell was the culprit that basically was looking past the Jaguars to the Patriots. And he basically did not look back at the time when uh, the Jaguars spanked them. In what week? Week seven? Week five. I believe, week five? I believe it was week five. Week five. Yeah, spanked them. Destroyed them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you had Mike Mitchell going out and talking about Mike Mitchell, who's a scrub, by the way. Actually, yep. he's not a scrub. The thing is, is that sometimes you just have to let your, your game right. talk instead but, of your mouth. Yeah, Mike, Mike concussions don't mean anything, Mitchell. Exactly. <laughs> no, you have, like, you have like the low-end players on this team talking crap. Yep. You have Le'Veon Bell at 1 a.m., the night before the game, mm-hmm. tweeting out, what do you tweet out? Like, two round twos for us or something like that. At 1 a.m., the 1 night before a game. Yep. Before he had a 1 o'clock game. So, yep. that, you know, that you want to you want to get to the stadium at, like, uh, I think they get the same at, like, 10. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to get to the bus at, like, 8. Yep. So, you know, Le'Veon Bell probably was you know, running on, like, five hours of sleep because they're not taking this team seriously. Wonderful. And all of them talking crap. All of the entire team, and you know that they were in the meetings, and you know that Mike Tomlin in the meetings, mm-hmm. having no control over this team, because it all comes back to Mike Tomlin, by the way, who doesn't do anything. Um, it all goes back to him just talking crap, probably probably pumping the team up, telling them like, "Oh, forget about that. We're ready for the Patriots. Yep. We're ready for the rematch with the Patriots." Yep. And that's why that's why Terry Bradshaw calls you a cheerleader yep. and says you can't do anything. And and you know that's what was happening. I'm sorry, but when they let uh, Dick LeBeau go as defensive coordinator, yeah. they lost their edge. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. The one smart guy in that coaching staff. And then other than that, yeah, you have Mike Tomlin, who just literally it just yells at people. That's what he does. Mike okay. Tomlin is good at yelling. Yeah. And yeah, Mike Tomlin, who's has no control over that locker room. Because guess what? A coach who had control over that locker room. You're not m- tweeting while he's t- he's giving his his uh. You're not talking crap. Post game speech about an AFC championship matchup. Yeah. When you're in the divisional exactly. round, exactly, you don't have Antonio Brown the year before that live streaming from the locker room. Exactly, like, you don't have any of this crap. Yep. and that's what I'm talking about. That's why the Patriots were able to plat. And I hate to just, I hate to make these gushy comps, but yeah, that's why you have the Patriots beating the Titans like they do. Because mm-hmm. all week, did Belichick bring up the Titans, bring up the Steelers once? No, no, they don't have to. You have Belichick going up there on the press conference talking about a team that sucks. Mm-hmm. We know they suck. He knows they suck. The players know they suck. Everybody knows they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows there's no chance that the Patriots lose to the Tennessee Titans. But still, Belichick's going up there and just 
raves about that team. Of course. He says all their good parts. And you know he's in the meetings telling the other telling the players all the good parts about that team. He's getting them prepared for that team. Exactly. Because he is so single-mindedly focused on winning the game in front of him. No. And they're not there worrying about the Steelers. They're not there screaming and yelling about, oh, man, we got to get, get ready for the Steelers. They have control because the Patriots are getting ready for the team that's in front of them. And that's why... They're them. That's why the Patriots are them. And the Steelers are losing in the divisional round to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm sorry. The the onside kick yeah, in want, the fourth quarter. Yeah, you want to get into the stupid stuff? Yeah, what was it? Like let's, two let's, and a half minutes to go. Exactly. They have like two, three timeouts left. Yeah. Yeah, they score once. They yep. make it a one-possession game, I believe. Yep. And then they try an onside. Yeah. Which fails because they were expecting it. And then they get... Actually, the kicker didn't even do it right either because no, yeah. he never went 10 yards. Yeah, isn't Chris Boswell the guy who tried to do like that weird like behind-the-leg thing? Yeah, that and, and yeah. screwed that up too. Yeah, that was Chris Boswell. Yeah, that was. I mean, you're one of the best kickers in the in the, um, in the National Football League. Did you can't, carry all my fantasy teams. You cannot make a, a, a onside kick. I just don't understand well, it. Well, in defense, nobody because It's such a low percentage play. It is. It is a low percentage play, but sometimes you, you have to be – you have to be uh, – be accurate with it. No, well, you just shouldn't do it. You should trust. You could try to pin them deep and then trust that your defense can stop Blake Bortles. But the thing is, from is driving that on you. Blake Bortles was giving them a whole lot of problems. <laughs> I mean, he was finding his um his his receivers in the uh in the gaps and running on them as well. So basically, yeah, because Mike Mitchell didn't even focus on the Steelers because <laughs> yeah. you because Mike Mitchell was already thinking about Chris Hogan or something. That team is missing um Shazir badly. That team is just missing any amount of intelligent coaching is what they're missing. But it's okay. Missing they, they Shazir fired, badly. They fired Todd Haley, so I mean, who's an idiot. Todd Haley who on 4th and 1 is like, "Oh, let's let's pitch it backwards to Le'Veon yeah, Bell." Yeah, exactly. Let's pitch oh, it. Did they fire him? Oh, Todd Haley's gone. Really? Yep. They're, and they're promoting their QB coach, so it's okay. going to be more. And the Steelers, are, they, 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 the culture in there is so broken. Mm-hmm. And the players are just, because, you know, you know, and then people say, oh, well, Mike Tomlin's just a player's coach. Like, no, Mike Tomlin isn't a player's coach. He's He enables his players. Okay. But no, we cannot, you should not, that's, that's, that's unfair to players' coaches to label every coach who just doesn't have any control over his locker room mm-hmm. a Players coach. Yep. Pete Carroll is a players, is a players coach. coach. Yep. And that works because mm-hmm. he has a different sort of environment, but it works. Mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin is not a players coach just because he has no control over his team. Okay. Does not make him a players coach. Yep. Just makes him a bad coach. <laughs> makes him a coach with no control. <laughs> so, no, he's not a players coach. Yeah, is Marvin Lewis a players coach because the players are committing crimes all over the place? No. What crimes have the players I, I, committed? I not, no, no, the Bengals have been pretty good about it recently. Uh, please, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. That was a sore nerve. But you get my point. Like, I, I'm just, I, I feel very validated yeah. by this. Mm-hmm. I feel so valid because just all year, this is all the talk I've been saying about the Steelers. I just feel great. Yeah. I don't even care. If, I mean, I do care, but <laughs> I just, God, I freaking love this. Mm-hmm. Because all year. Yeah. I can't wait for Job to come on. Job is going to agree with me. Job will probably take a victory lap with me. Of course. But yeah, I was right. Well, it's, it's not just my takes, but I just, I, 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 I don't fear the Pittsburgh Steelers at all because I just know that they just, you know, honestly, if the Titans had somehow pulled it out mm-hmm. and beat the Patriots mm-hmm. and the Steelers went on, you know, I bet the Steelers would have freaking lost because they, oh, they, they, they were prepared for the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Even if they were prepared, <laughs> they, 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 
I, uh, the New England Patriots has their number. Yeah, I, also, I just yeah, also that too. But it's just they just have yeah, their number. They weren't man. focused. They weren't. They were not focused on the team in front of them well, at all. And that's not on the players. No, nope. because players are going to do. That. Players are going to naturally look ahead of a team. Yeah, so they're gonna do. They're players. They're young. They're, I'm young, but they're gonna look. They're going to look ahead at the team in front of them. Okay. No. But it's the job of the coach. Yep. To be the adult in the room. And, and rain them that in. Yep. But you think Mike Tomlin does that? Nope. Michael T- Mike Tomlin is the one who's throwing, probably throwing up a photo of the Patriots on the bulletin board <laughs> over the Jaguars photo and saying, oh. we don't care about this. We care about this. Okay. All right. Well. Because they had no respect for that team going in, and they yeah. obviously were not prepared. No, they weren't. And it is glorious to see this happen. And oh, you know yeah. what? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I loved every minute of oh, it. Oh, I did. I loved it. It was it was visceral. It it was probably it, I probably enjoyed that more than when they lost to Tebow. I like sit there and like okay, they're twenty twenty one nothing. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. That is tasty pudding, Jack. Oh yeah. No, it was it was it was quite something. Mm-hmm. It was probably how other people feel when the Patriots lose. It was probably oh, how the rest of the country feels when the Patriots lose. Of course. <laughs> it's probably how everybody else felt, but. Now, the one other aspect of this is that, you know what? I kind of think that this could be the end of the Steelers as they're currently constructed because I would, I could, re- I really think that we're probably going to see Big Ben retire. Well, Big Ben is coming back for another season. He said so? Yes. I did not know that when he said that. He's coming back for another season. He's okay. Because I was going to say, I thought he was going to retire. No, he's not retiring. He's into- coming back for another season. But then you all, okay, well, that changes everything. Then. Oh, of course but it changes everything. Had, okay, because I was going to say, because then you also have Le'Veon Bell who's talking like, I'm going to I'm gonna retire. By the way, on the weekend of a playoff game, Listen. talking about how he's going to retire. If Listen, he get- the, 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 the Steelers are at their cap right now. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to get rid of a few players just to pay Le'Veon Bell his money. Or do they just think he's worth a headache and let him walk, you know? You can't let that guy walk. I agree with you, but... I'm saying, well, now that they're keeping Big Ben, definitely. But I was gonna say, you know, in the wor- in the world where Roethlisberger leaves, maybe they don't want, maybe they want to rebuild and don't want to pay a court, pay a running back that. But no, you're right. You know what? Honestly, this whole segment kind of goes to crap now that <laughs> Roethlisberger's staying. Yep. All right. Well, that's why we bring you on the show, Elo. <laughs> that's why I like having other people on this show. Oh yeah, definitely. All right then. Well then. <laughs> With that over, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, it'll be time to do your job with Job Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. You guys stick around with me, Elo? Uh, I might. I might. All right, then. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. And we will be right back after this. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At arborday.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live. 
and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to arborday.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's arborday.org. Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they can rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. Do you hate your parents? Are you real Latin angst? Well, then break out the fingerless gloves and eyeliner because it's time for the 90.7 WXIN Emo Night. Thursday the 26th at the News Cafe located at 23 Broad Street, Pawtucket. Cover is $3 with a Rick ID and $5 without. So get out of Hot Topic and get down to the News Cafe for the 90.7 WXIN Emo Night. Why doesn't WXIN play anything I like? Lame. What, you don't like what we play? Come be a DJ and choose what we play. Come with me now. Come with me now. WXIN is always looking for new DJs. Whether it's alt rock, hip hop, metal, country, or world, WXIN wants you. Come to one of our meetings, Horace Man 186, on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. or email program at rickradio.org. Your station, your music, WXIN. So, Kristen, how was Esther's baby shower? Oh, great. Yeah. Everyone was there. Uh -huh. Allison, Katie, Nancy, Karen, oh. who has gained a little weight, by the way. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> oh, it's too bad you couldn't make it. How's little Sammy? Oh, he's fine. It was oh. just a little fever, but he's feeling better now. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, you know it's a girl, right? Oh, wow. What's her name? Um, oh, I can't remember. It's one of those names. Excuse me? Oh, you know, one of those names. Shakita, Juanita, Jaquita. Why do black people like those kinds of names anyway? You'd think they'd know better. They just make it harder on themselves, you know what I mean? No, Kristen. I don't know what you mean. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria. 
at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. It's not the size that matters, it's the pleasure it provides. WXIN-FM. WXIN Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley. We've been talking a lot of Patriots, a lot of things that I don't like about the Pittsburgh Steelers that make me just take a sweet, sweet, sweet victory lap. But anyway, if you want to weigh in about any of the things that we've been talking about or anything in the world of sports you want to talk about, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or go on Facebook to the official Mike Kane Memorial Livestream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Drop a comment. Tell me what you think. Anything you want me to talk about. Anything you want to say, really. I just like getting the comments. Makes this whole show flow a lot easier. But anyway, it is now. It is now 4.40 p.m. And as we are every week but have not been in a very long time, it is time to do your job with Joe Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. And how are you doing, Job? I'm good. How are you doing, Jake? Good. Great to have you back. It's been a very long time. It's, it has. You know, the last time that we spoke was uh, before the Steelers game. Yes, and uh, were you listening to the last segment of the show? Uh, I caught the last four or five minutes of the segment. Uh, of the segment with uh, is, that, is that Josh Percy that we had on? No, there? no, that was E Love. That was that was Bancraft Love, who was out of the studio right now, but he might be coming back later. But no, I was just just basically just taking a long, long victory lap about how right I was about how dumb the Steelers are. Dumb the Steelers are, and dumb Mike Tomlin is. I'm yeah. surprised he still has a job. Yeah, it was it was mainly Mike Tomlin. Yeah, it was it was about how dumb their coaching is. So that was that, and that's something that we've both been saying all year. So I just I don't know if you wanted to take a quick moment to bask in the glory of it as well, but uh, I've been basking in the glory of it uh, since since it happened. Um, I was actually watching the plane from uh, thirty uh, watching the game from thirty thousand feet up. I was on the plane from uh, Europe to to. Uh, Washington D.C. and I was I was shocked. I thought it was a, a glitch in the system. I just deleted my rundown off my. Com- I just deleted my rundown by mistake. But anyway, <laughs> it's fine. I remember everything. I want to. I remember everything. I want to talk about memorized. But anyway, so obviously that was fun, and I've been saving for you to talk about the game that we have now and this weekend. Sunday at 3.05 p.m., which is a bizarre time to start a game. But at 3.05, it's, F- it's FC Championship game weekend. And the Patriots will be facing off first game of the night. Because, you know, you want, you, want, you, want steel, you want Nick Foles v. Case Keenum in prime time. That's the game you want in prime time. So that's going to be the night game. But So the Patriots will be playing in the afternoon. And it will be against the Jaguars. And this game, I will say this about the Jaguars before I say anything else. That before I get into actually how much of a chance I think they have, or if I think the Jaguars on paper do have 
and I've been saying this to a lot of people, that I, I kind of wanted to face the Steelers just because I knew the Patriots could beat them, and I knew they were dumb. And on balance, the Steelers are probably a better team than the Jaguars. They are. Like, on pay, like if we were to even everything out. But also, on paper, the Steelers, the Jaguars have the three things you really need to beat the Patriots. They can get to the quarterback, hit the quarterback without blitzing, only rushing four. They have a very strong running game, which has killed the Patriots front seven this season. And third, and you know maybe biggest, depending on how superstitious you are, Tom Coughlin is in the building. Like Tom Coughlin, he's not the coach, but Tom Coughlin is some somewhere. The ghost of Tom Coughlin is like floating around somewhere in that game. So to say that the, the Jaguars do have on balance, on paper, the things you need to beat the Patriots. Now, obviously, they also have big deficiencies in very important area, in a very important area that you generally need to win football games against anybody but still they do have the things you want to beat the Patriots which I think is important to acknowledge and just I don't know like Joe like what what do you make of this Jaguars team uh well you know I really thought that the Jaguars would be the harder matchup for us in the the AFC championship I thought that um before they played the Steelers I I don't know about you but I thought that the Steelers game made me a lot less scared uh, of the Jaguars than I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, they allowed 430 yards to uh, Ben Roethlisberger in the air. Um, you know, I, I do know that they did stop Le'Veon Bell rather effectively. Um, and, and they do have some, some real game changers on defense. You know, uh, Ramsey and Crawley and um, some big guys up front who can really rush the passer. Um, but I'm not really all that worried about this game on Sunday. Uh, for two two simple reasons, and the first the first is that I I looked at the statistics, and the only top five offense that the uh, Jaguars played all year is, is a loss to the uh, St. Louis Rams, in which the Rams absolutely or Los Angeles Rams, uh, who absolutely uh, destroyed their defense, um, guaranteed that uh, granted rather that they have a a different set of strengths than the Patriots do. Um, they have who's probably the MVP and Todd Gurley. Well, um, no, 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 you know, Brady's who the was MVP. able to control that. Thank you very much. Oh, Brady, Brady, well, Brady's the we'll Pro see. Football I, Writers Association MVP, which is that, is that true? Pro I, Football I don't know Writers Association did elect Tom Brady as the MVP, but uh, the, the real MVP awards, which were revealed on February third, uh, my pick is Todd Gurley, um, who's been unstoppable mm-hmm. uh, this season for. Uh, yeah, for the Rams. I mean, we did we did um, a lot of MVP talk at the top of the show, so let's. I, I would like to stick to the Jaguars. move move on move yeah, on past like, that. But, but anyway. um, you know, I think the Jaguars. You know, like you said, they have Tom Coughlin in that building, um, and, and that that worries me a little bit. But other than that, I'm not yeah, all that worried about this team. Listen, and the Tom Coughlin thing, because I I will I do want to talk about that a little bit. Now, Tom Coughlin is obviously not the coach, but. He is, and you can debate how much of an impact that this makes, but he is a guy who has proven in his career that he is not afraid of Bill Belichick. And that's huge because you see time and time again these other coaches, these guys come in, and you can tell that they have overthought everything because they're afraid of Belichick. But Tom Coughlin is one of the, one of the few guys who, does, who can look at Belichick and just, he just never, never has been afraid of him and now has less reason to be afraid of him than he ever has so again not the coach but i don't know like tom coughlin could be a calming presence 
for that team. He could I just, you know, st- step down from the executive tower or wherever he, his office is and just come down and, I don't know, like, give some kind of ambiance to calm the team somehow. And, they, like, that can have an impact because he could help the team not be so nervous coming into the Gillette, which really does rattle a lot of teams and seriously rattle young players. So that could be the impact. Oh, I think if there's one team, if there's one team in, you know, in this league that has proven this year that they're not scared of, uh, of playing on the road, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they just went into Heinz Field and put up 45 points on the Pittsburgh Steelers behind a Blake Bortles offense, of all things. Um, you know, I think this team is, their team is young and hungry. Uh, I don't think that any of them are scared of playing, you know, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady combination because there's very few of them who you know been around the league very long who are scared of, who are scared of the two. They want to go out and make their mark. They're hungry and they really want to make it to Minnesota in the Super Bowl. Um, so you know, I don't know how much Tom Coughlin's presence really will affect the players so much as I think it really you know his game planning strategy help uh, could help that uh, that coaching staff on the sidelines um, in setting up a scheme that might you know mitigate. The Belichick factor. Well, you see, and to that, I kind of disagree. Because I don't think the scheme is important. Well, I mean, it is important. But I'm saying, like, the scheme is not complicated. Because the scheme to beat the Patriots is, it's simple. Like, everybody knows it, but you're either the Steelers and you just stubbornly don't do it because your team is built around doing the opposite of the things that beat the Patriots or you don't have the personnel to do it. Because to beat the Patriots, or at least give yourself a real chance against them, what you need is... You need to be able to get to the quarterback without blitzing, only rushing for, which obviously you need the personnel to do, and the Jaguars have the personnel to do it, and you also need to be able to play very tight man coverage most of the game because Tom Brady will pick apart zone coverage, and they have the personnel to play man, and you need to man up on the receivers and hope that you can stop them, keep them tight, and then you need to just hold the ball on offense and not let Brady on the field as much as possible, which they do have the running game to do it. They have Blake Bortles, who the last couple of weeks has shown much more of a willingness to run, which could be something because the Patriots have struggled to get off the field on third down against mobile quarterbacks. So not to say that Blake Bortles is suddenly Michael Vick, but still he's shown. He has like 200 passing yards this postseason, but He's shown the willingness to run, so that that could just, you know, be something that lets them kill another two minutes on this drive or another three minutes here. So they do they do have the formula. And, like, one thing I've looked at what they could do is maybe, you know, on offense, may, on defense, maybe they, you know, they flex Calais Campbell inside. He played a lot of D-tackle in Arizona. You get that interior pass rush that really crushes the Patriots. You put him alongside Malik Jackson, who you remember Malik Jackson in 2015. Part of the reason he got that payday from the Jaguars was in the AFC Championship game, how he absolutely destroyed the Patriots. If you remember that game at all, him and Vaughn. Von Miller as well, but Malik Jackson on the inside. He had a great postseason in general, but he was crushing the Patriots, rushing from the inside. So the the, the defensive line of the Jacksonville Jaguars is extremely talented, and they, they do have a, a deep secondary as well. Um, you know, with, with Ramsey, number 20, um, who's an all-pro, uh, leading the way there. With Boye um, as well. And, and Boye, you know, they do have some good cover guys. Uh, my two questions, as far as that's concerned, is, is one, 
you watched the Titans game, I imagine, the mm-hmm. Patriots-Titans game. Yep. Well, what did you think of our offensive line performance in that game? Because you and I have harped on the offensive line and said all season long how, you know, we think this Patriots team goes as far as the offensive line carried us. And we we just played a top-five defense uh, last week in terms of rushing the quarterback, and Brady didn't get sacked. So uh, I'm curious to think what you think our offensive line is, is going to be able to do to mitigate, you know, these big players on uh, Jacksonville, such as Malik Jackson and uh, and, and uh, others. I mean, no, I mean, the Patriots line played very well in that game. I don't want to take it away from them. But going from, you know, Brian Arakbo and Jarrell Casey to what good players, to what the tight, from the Titans who have good players on the D line, to the Jaguars who can flex their all pro D end to the inside and still have a very high quality D end coming off the bench or be coming out of their rotation. I mean, they're going from playing good to playing absolutely great top-of-the-line players. So, I mean, it makes me feel better. If they got eaten alive by the Titans, I'd feel very bad, but I'm still looking at this and saying that they are going to face, you know, they're going up against Saxonville, They go, but they are going up against a monster D-line that's monstrous at every position. I mean, you can have... Can't, and like I said, you do what I said. You move Campbell to the inside, have Malik Jackson on the other side. You still have Ngakwe. You can bring Dante Fowler Jr., who's at least athletic. Like, they have so many really strong athletic players on that D-line that they, they – they, like, we can't hope in this game that they don't create pressure. Like, that's unreasonable for us to try to figure out a scenario where they're not able to put pressure on Brady, which they will be able no, to I, do. No, I agree. I think, I think they will definitely have um, – which they'll be able to do without rushing four, which, like we said, we know that Brady kills the blitz. Brady murders you if you blitz him, but they are a team. They don't have to do that. They can keep guys in coverage, and they have those coverage guys in Boye, in Ramsey, who are as good a cornerback duo as you're going to find in the NFL, and Barry Church is a good safety. Todd Gibson is meh. And then at linebacker, they have a ta- they have a lot of athleticism at linebacker, which is going to be huge for them because they have guys who can conceivably maybe stick with these Patriots running backs. Telvin Smith is... So fast, so quick. Miles Jack, super athletic player. So they have guys who can hang with the running backs or maybe not say cover Gronk, but maybe at least do as well as anybody else can do. So so that was my next question, Jake. Uh, what, what do you think they do with Rob Gronkowski? Because, it's tough. Uh, you know, as we've seen time and time again, uh, Brady's, Brady's top three weapons have been, uh, you know, Edelman, Gronkowski, and Amendola, especially Amendola in the playoffs or on third down, um, and we don't have Edelman this time around. So we're missing that one key cog in the system. Um, and I'm curious, what do you think Jacksonville does to try to try to stop Rob Gronkowski? Because I was reading some things uh, about maybe they want to switch Jordan Ramsey on there onto Rob Gronkowski, you know, in a one v one situation. Um, but you know, there's a lot of different weapons that we have on this team with Brandon Cooks. Um, as a as a deep threat that maybe would draw Ramsey or Boye away, and maybe even you know end up with a linebacker on a James White or a uh, even you know Rex hopefully will be back. we can get some Rex Burkhead. Well, that's uh, my point though about this team is that though game. they have the personnel where having a linebacker wind up on one of those running backs is not going to be nearly the death sentence or the mismatch that it would be for a lot of teams that just don't have the athleticism at those positions. And that's the point that they they're go, like they're going to find they're not going to find a way to cover Gronk. Like Gronk will get his 
They will try to limit him, but Gronk, no matter what they do, Gronk will find a way to produce. But it's going to be a matter of, like, now can these secondary guys for the secondary offensive guys for the Patriots, will they be able to step up and beat some beat what's going to be good coverage? We've seen Brandon Cooks, especially, like, go back to the Dolphins game. Brandon Cooks has struggled when he's had man coverage on him, when he's had tough man coverage on him. And he's probably, he might be getting covered by Boye. He might be getting covered by Ramsey at different points. So will he be able to step up? Will James White or Rex Burkhead, will they be able to get away from the Telvin Smiths, Miles Jacks, their athletic linebackers? It'll be a matter of the Patriots are going to, Gronk will, will produce no matter what they do because it, it, you can't stop him. You can't flat out stop Rob Gronkowski. But that's he, what he will do will not be enough. So it'll be a matter of will other guys step up for the Patriots and just produce at the level that they're going to need. And it's going to... Well, here's, here's, here's my thoughts on that. My thoughts is that uh, you should expect uh, two touchdown passes to Danny Amendola. Yeah. I think Amendola is going to have a big game. He's poised to e- exploit the underneath routes uh, with Gronkowski possibly, you know, on some deeper post routes um, to open up that you know, that little slot for Amendola. Um, and we know that he's great after the catch. So I'm I'm really excited, actually, to watch Tom Brady pick apart uh, this Jacksonville defense. Right, but my um, point I, is that the – is what I'm saying, finish my point I was making about the matchups, that just, like, there will not be a ton of mismatches on the field. Is going to be what's going to make no, it I don't think I don't think there will. I think the main – the primary mismatch on the field is going to be Blake Bortles against any defense that's NFL-worthy. Yes. Um, and, yes. A, and a fantastic and that's, defensive that's coordinator kind of, in Matt that's Patricia, what, who's that's what makes, the next head coach of the Lions. Yeah, that's, that, that's what makes everything I say kind of stupid is the fact that in the end, like, on the other side will be Blake Bortles. But so I'm just saying, like, for the <laughs> Patriots offensively, like, they won't have the – they just won't have as many mismatches as they're used to against other teams because the te- of Jaguars will be able to have seven players in coverage and then those players in coverage are all very good players. So the Patriots might, you know, they're going to need somebody just to step up. They will need somebody to make plays and break loose, and hopefully it's Cooks or Hogan or just anybody. But anyway, you were saying. I, I, would, I, I would predict a, a big day from Danny Amendola and a, another big day from James White, who has been amazing in our two last playoff runs uh, in terms of getting, getting to the end zone. Um, you know, he's got something like nine touchdowns now in the last uh, last five, or not nine touchdowns, uh, nine touches in the last five games in the in the red zone. And, and uh, I think a good percentage of those have been, uh, you know, touchdown, touchdown runs and also, you know, short yardage catches uh, from James White, who seems to always turn it up uh, when the heat, when it matters most. So hopefully James White has a big game. Um, but I'm hoping, you know, Matt Patricia can get us the ball for a good percentage of this game. I know that he's poised to become the next head coach of, uh, you know, hopefully yeah, the Lions for yeah, him. Well, I'll get into that in a second. We'll get into that in a little bit. But but uh, I think I think his defensive scheme is going to be uh, blitz Bortles, blitz Bortles, blitz Bortles, and hopefully, you know, uh, stop Leonard Fournette from having, you know, his way with our defense who can't stop the run, um, you know, as well as other teams. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that that like that that will be the key thing is just hope if the Patriots are able to stop Leonard Fournette, and obviously, hopefully, Blake Bortles doesn't have like his one in six good games. You know, he's like one in six. Sometimes he has a great game, but hope hopefully, or like early December when he looked great for the first couple of games of last month. But right, I just think that'll be how quickly is Brady able to find mismatches against his defense. 
how quickly is he able to find it, which I'm having a hard time seeing, but how long until he's able to maybe see the cracks in the coverage? And that will be the key. And also how he'll but he'll have to find those cracks quickly because Brady's not gonna have a lot of time tonight, this week. He won't he's not gonna have a lot he of time. He won't in the have pocket. a lot of time, but I, I also wouldn't I wouldn't rule out, you know, some some trick plays, um you know, some some plays sort of the way that you know, New Orleans attacked it with Willie Sneed throwing a pass to Al oh, Kamara. Um, you know, maybe some some laterals to Edelman, uh, who will throw the ball deep. We have we have some you know plays in the Belichick system that we don't run very often, uh, but we'll hopefully be able to exploit um, Jacksonville and their inexperience at some points in the game to really capitalize. And I think capitalization on on uh, you know deep drives is the key. If we come away with field goals, we're going to lose this game. Um, well, I don't we know. About, I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. I would say that if you come away with field goals and don't turn the ball over, you might win this game because you have Blake Bortles you're going against. It'll be my one point. Now, if they come away with empty drives, I think that's what will kill them. But I, I don't know if field goals kill you. Like, how much do you think this Jacksonville offense can do? Well, you know, here's the thing about what I see from the Jacksonville offense. Uh, what I see is Leonard Fournette having an absolutely monster season behind an offensive line that dominates uh, their opponents. And I think our defensive line is going to struggle to really, you know, hold them in check. Um, so I'd be really worried that they're going to get into field goal range before we get off the field on third down, which we're not very good at um, consistently. So I would expect the Jaguars to have a lot of, you know, at least field goal uh, ending drives because uh, they do have a fantastic kicker. Um and I would be I would be worried if we come away with only field goals because I think their their defense is going to really give Tom Brady hell. Um, I would expect a low scoring game, mm-hmm. but I, I wouldn't expect it to be as low scoring as many think because I do think that this game is going to be big play, a, a game full of big plays. You know, one blown coverage is going to lead to one big mm-hmm. play uh, on either side of the ball. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this turn into a uh, a big game for Blake Bortles, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think if Bortles and the Jaguars get a lead, I think we see Tom Brady really, really outperform, you know, even our expectations against this defense. Yeah, no, and I hope for that. I mean, I think that, yeah, I think we're going to know the pace of this game pretty early on because for all we know, the Patriots go in there and just start eviscerating them and just start dissecting them almost immediately, which could happen. But no, you're right. It'll be, we're going to get the tempo of this game early because once again, it will come down to how quickly can, the Patriots get into a rhythm offensively. They a- will, and I think Deion Lewis really helps us with the, with the ability to do that. You know, mm-hmm. He's really good between the tackles, um, at, you know, getting downhill and yards after contact for, for a little guy. Um, and we have James White, who's an amazing pass catcher. So hopefully if we mix Rex Burkhead in, a healthy Rex Burkhead, uh, we'll be able to you know, get first downs. Because we've, as we saw during the, during the Pittsburgh game, the Jacksonville defense, they don't give up big plays on third down. They get off the field very quickly and very effectively. Uh, and I think we need to, you know, hopefully mitigate that by having some big first down plays. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. So what are you, what are we going to, we haven't done this in a while. We haven't uh, done this in a while. So what are we going to, what are we putting down for predictions, Job? Our second to last uh, prediction of go, the year, by the way. This is, yes. I'm going to go 24-17 Patriots. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say the same thing. Um, okay. I'll go. 
Oh, you bastard. I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh... 28-14. You know, 28-14. I'll go. I'll, I'll have a lot of faith in the Patriots stopping Blake Bortles. Do I think that's actually going to happen? No. But you know, that's it. I'll put it down for 28-14. Screw it. That's my prediction. Now, to move on from that, something else that we were talking about, something else you kind of were bringing up that, I, that we were hinting at that we were talking about is the fact that if we're believing the reports that, that at the end of the season, if we just, we'll buy the reports for a couple of minutes, that the that McDaniels, off the off, the offensive coordinator and QB's coach for the team, has taken the job with the Colts, and Matt Patricia has been hired by the, or will be hired, because they can't officially be hired yet because of the new hiring rules, so who knows? Something could come out of nowhere and just screw this whole thing up. But, once again, if we're just believing them, Matt Patricia is going to the Lions, and Josh McDaniels is going to the Colts, which is obviously, it's not great to lose two coordinators. It's not great. Also, the other thing is that now, who would presumably be the Patriots' backup plan at defensive coordinator, Brian Flores, excuse me, yeah, Brian Flores, is, and this is coming from Adam Schefter, that the that the that the handful of top candidates for the job were our floors, somebody else I don't remember who, and then the offensive line coach for the Steelers, but he has dropped out of the race. So seemingly now Brian Flores is the top coach to become the top candidate to become the the Cardinals head coach. So seemingly the Patriots are going to lose Patricia McDaniel's and Brian Flores their linebacker coach. So that leaves them with not a lot there at the defensive coordinator. So the Patriots are going to lose. All the coordinators and Job. I mean, offhand, how much do you think this will affect the Patriots going forward? Losing both. Like, uh, well, I think season. going forward, I think going forward, the biggest loss uh, that we face in that situation um, is Matt Patricia. I, I really think, you know, he's a wizard on defense. We've seen him turn average talent into above average performance, he and especially a, this year. I think he had an we've assistant coach his of the system year, and his scheme. I, I think he did, and I, I think. You know, he deserves a head coaching job. You know, far be it from me to deny him that. Um, I think Josh McDaniels leaving to go, you know, to the Colts, which has been reported, um, it means two things. Uh, first, I think it means that, you know, we're not seeing the end of Belichick, uh, you know, after this season. I think that means we have, you know, Belichick at least in the foreseeable future for at least another two years um, because I think McDaniels would rather sit around in New England with the New England job looming than to go to uh, another system. I agree with that. I think that it means... And I also think... Exactly. And I also think on that situation, it means that Andrew Luck is healthier than a lot of people are giving him credit for. I would I would um, hope for McDaniel's sake. Because I don't think McDaniel takes that job... With um, Jacoby Brissett. You know, if, with Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback. Maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he and I, Jacoby Brissett I, have this amazing that would super master me. plan. But uh, from what I can tell... You know, he go if he goes to Indianapolis and signs that head coaching job, he probably has at least three quarters of next season coaching Andrew Luck, and any team that has Andrew Luck is is a dangerous team. Mm-hmm. So I think that adds another competitor to the mix for maybe a wild card spot uh, in the AFC. Okay, fair so enough. Fair I think enough. I think it might it might you know change the dynamic of the AFC a little bit, okay. especially since we've seen that without McDaniel's Brady's a little bit more. 
uh, ineffective. He's still the best quarterback, you know, we've ever seen. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I would agree with that. Actually, I mean, honestly, if you're giving me one coordinator leaving, and like if if you're giving me one, and this is this is kind of my take on it, any one coordinator leaving, I don't think affects the team at all. I really don't. Josh McDaniels. I agree. If I had to pick one, I'd pick McDaniels. Well, hang on. Let me say this: McDaniels, great coordinator. Patricia, great coordinator. Both of them. Now. On the same hand, I say he's great, but when McDaniel's left and it was Bill O'Brien, nothing changed. Really, like the off- the as long as Brady's here and it's Brady's offense and Brady can run it with his eyes closed. So really, I'm not worried about the offense. I'm really I'm not because Brady knows it, and when he's lost McDaniel's, he's been just as good. He's won MVPs with McDaniel's. He's won MVPs without McDaniel's, and he won more and he won another MVP when McDaniel's came back. Patricia, Romeo Cornell left. They were fine. Like, th- this team does not miss a beat when their coordinators leave. They don't, because they will promote somebody from inside. Now, they're seemingly losing their promoting from inside guy on defense, but still, they'll promote somebody from inside. And if you give me one coordinator, they won't miss a beat. Now, them losing both, I think we can see in the short term, because obviously you're, you're double losing. And it'll make the offseason. It'll definitely make the offseason more challenging for Belichick. I think it'll kick more of his focus. So I don't know what kind, how, if... Belichick will be able to be as active this offseason, which makes sense because he probably wouldn't have been anyway with how much he did this last offseason. So that could be a factor. And then it's there will be a little, there will be more of a transition. If there's one coordinator, I would say it would almost be seamless. Honestly, I would say it would almost be a quick, fast, easy transition. With how much respect I have for these guys, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but losing both coordinators. I think it does make a difference. It does make the transition harder. Now, something that is different, though, is something that's interesting about this, and something I think is good, is that both these guys are going to teams that already have GMs in place. The Lions and the Colts and even the Cardinals, assuming that Flores is gone as well, all have GMs in place, so at, you know, at least that means that Casario will be staying. Nick Casario. Won't it be- does, and you know that that's that's a big a big win for us if he is staying. Yes, uh, and is, I'll say you this. You know the hope. Right, and I would say it's not because I would imagine he would only follow one of these guys to be a GM. And once again, if it was if you were just telling me that this offseason they would just lose Casario, I'd also say like f- fine, who who cares? But at least the Patriots. But oh, when you t- pile it on top of things, at least now the Patriots won't be losing both coordinators, their linebacker coach, and their director of player personnel. At least now they'll only be losing the coaches. Which, by the way, fun fact, fun fact, this is the first time in the Super Bowl era that any team will have lost three assistant coaches in one offseason. Two co- head coaching jobs. So here's, here's, what I, here's what I look at as the only real issue that I foresee with, with losing Josh McDaniels and Matt Patricia. Um, you know, I think Matt Patricia is an excellent defensive mind, but like you said, this is a Brady-Belichick team, and I think Belichick could really control that defense on his own without the help of Matt Patricia. Um, I think the problem lies on offense with the loss of Josh McDaniels because Brady is not as young as he once was. Um, I hate to bring up age as another factor, but mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, the, the, the transition won't be seamless. I'm sure the transition will, will work fine. And, you know, like you said, under Bill O'Brien, we were totally fine. Um, Brady's an excellent player and he'll make that adjustment. But in that adjustment period, Brady could get rocked. Well, I just, I, um, you know, I, I, I have to disagree, I think, though, because I feel like they'll just, it will be the same system next year. Like, it'll, 
they they're not run they have never been running Josh McDaniel's system. They were never running Bill O'Brien's system. They were running Oh agreed. It's a, Belichick, it's a, it's a Bill Belichick Tom system. Brady system. They were running their system. So somebody else come in and it'll it'll and it'll be somebody from within. Like they're going they'll promote somebody. They're not gonna go out and hire like Ben McAdoo or you know, Which, uh, by the way, Ben McAdoo taking the o- offensive coordinator job for the Cleveland Browns—that's hilarious. Step down. That's hilarious. But they're not. Oh, they're not going to go out and get Mark <laughs> Tressman, like who's going to come in with their own offense. It will be somebody from within, so it it'll be the same system. Is why I really just and Belichick will just pay more attention to the defense than maybe he has the last couple of years. Like, kind of like, you know, as he's kind of given Patricia more of the reins, go back to keeping the reins. Like, it just, it'll make more work for these guys. It'll make more work for Brady, more work for Belichick. But I just, I, it's not going to be worse, though, because those guys will just have more of a hand in it than they have the last couple of years. So I think it will no, be. No, you're right. You're right. I don't see, I don't see a, a large drop off. I think just maybe the only, the only issue is maybe the health of Brady. You know, if there is a small transitional period, how does Brady, you know, how does Brady react to getting hit very early on? I know him and McDaniel's are close friends, um, and you know we all know that, you know, this is a Brady Belichick system. I don't think it really affects us in the long run. I don't think it affects our chances at another Super Bowl. Um, you know, if we if we win this one or if we lose this one, I think next year we're in excellent shape to compete again. So I'm not I'm not that worried about losing our coordinators. I think it's going to lead to better competition across the NFL. I'm thinking a Matt Patricia system for the Detroit Lions, who have a you know a good quarterback. Oh, that's going to be. An, I think that's an excellent place for him to be. By the way, I think that I think that will work out. I, great I think for him. so too. They have a they have a good offense, um, and they have some good tools on defense who are just being absolutely terribly used by the current. Oh, absolutely you know, no. They have coaching the staff. offense. If, as long as Patricia like maintains the same offensive staff there, which with Jim Bob Cooter and all that, and they can fix the running game, which will come down to Bob Quinn, who's a Patriots guy, by the way. Chris Ballard, not a Patriots guy, but Bob Quinn, a Patriots guy. No, I think, I mean, just going to that, I think that Matt Patricia is going to work out great with the Lions. I think he'll be a fantastic And he can focus on their defense. And he's such a smart guy is the thing. He really is a brilliant, brilliant guy. He's one of the the more brilliant defensive minds in the game. I mean, obviously the St. Louis Rams, or the Los Angeles Rams now, have the premier mind in Wade Phillips. Um, But... You know, Matt Patricia is up there as far as the most respected coordinators in the game, and I think he'll make an excellent. He's head a coach. rocket scientist; like he, he'll be good, and he's going to a place that they, the offense is in place. And I hate to talk about these coaches in terms of like as over glorified coordinators because that's the route it's going, and it's terrible, and that's hurting the league, and that's hurting the head it's coaches. Unfortunately, a fact. But if we're going that route, he is going somewhere with the offense. Needs some help. It still needs some tweaking, but the offense is definitely like in place. The structure is in place there, and he can go and focus on helping them fix the defense. Which no, exactly. I think that's a big a big factor um, in his decision making process because I think you know Patricia has the, has the opportunity to take potentially a few different coaching jobs, um, especially since he's you know very respected. Uh, the problem for Matt Patricia is that no one from the Belichick tree has really been super effective. Um, as a head coach, so I think no, you know, best, he could really the best, pave the way. The best member has been Bill O'Brien, which is sketchy at best. Exactly. So I think you know he could really pave the way, and if he comes out, you know, performs the way that you and I are talking about him performing. Unless you want to count I Nick think, Saban. Um, uh, well, I don't know if I count Nick <laughs> who you, Saban. Who you kind of can count Nick Saban if you if you really want to play this game. Um, what I what I'm curious what I'm curious about Jake. Is is your opinion on um, 
you know, the Jimmy Garoppolo 49ers situation um, and how that's going to impact, you know, the decision of these coordinators. Um, do you think Josh McDaniel stays if, if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't get traded? Um, you know, do you think that you that impacts the decision-making at all? Do you think that's why they're gone? No, 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 no. I don't think that impact. I don't think, I don't think Matt Patricia isn't sticking around because – because of Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I just think that's time. I just think that this is uh, – because Josh McDaniels has been biding his time for a couple of years now. Josh McDaniels has waited to take a head coaching job for a while. He turned down, ironically enough, the 49ers job last year. Like, Josh McDaniels has been waiting for the right opportunity to open up, an opportunity he really likes. And I'm surprised that apparently he thought that opportunity was the Colts, which kind of surprises me unless he has some inside knowledge on Andrew Luck. But no. No, because, like, if McDaniels was still here, we'd be talking about is McDaniels staying to be – We'd be rightfully talking. Is McDaniel staying here to be the head coach and be the next head coach of the Patriots? Which would have been my assumption if he hadn't left. So no, I, I don't think I don't think the Garoppolo. As much as it's fun to try to tie everything together into a nice neat bow, I don't think the Garoppolo stuff has anything to do with it. I really don't. I don't. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe McDaniel's didn't want to be the next head coach of the Patriots without Garoppolo, but I, I doubt that's it. I really. I, I do think- too. I just thought it was you know a conversational point worth asking, and I know Jimmy Garoppolo and the system that they have there had some success, some success against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, so I'd be I'd be curious to see if maybe we run a system like that. Maybe. I mean, I just think that that was them actually going against the legit quarterback. <laughs> we really talk about them being in the end. Them obviously, like, as much as I do as I do think the Jaguars defense is very good and not just a product of the schedule, they were also in the AFC South. And had to play Jacoby Brissett, Mariota, and I don't believe they ever played the Texans with Deshaun Watson. So they had like the Tom Savage, TJ Yates, Texans going up against themselves. So, I don't know. I really, interesting talking points. But I, yeah, I can't sit here and tell you that I really believe that. Garoppolo has I, anything I, to do another, with Another question that I have, you know, kind of related to, to- and coordinators that I, I was, you know, thinking about all week, and I was, I was thinking about bringing up on the show. Uh-huh. You know, the Tom Coughlin effect that we talked about, how much of, you know, do you think this year's Jacksonville team is his influence? Well, because obviously he's a director player personnel. Me and actually Josh Percy, before I came on the show, were arguing about this a lot. This does, this is a Tom Coughlin, like, looking team. You can tell that Tom Coughlin... Belongs to this organization. You can tell that Tom Coughlin influenced the team because this team looks like those Giants teams, like those good Giants teams in a lot of ways. He went out, he made the deal, because obviously the Jaguars have spent a lot on free agency in the last couple of years anyway, but Tom Coughlin went out, spent a lot on the to get Calais Campbell to beef up the D-line like he had with the Giants. I mean, Calais Campbell's been a D-tackle most of his career, and he converted in the D-end, so he has a 300-pound D-end. So he went out, got a lot bigger at the D-end spot, went in – Went out and got the big running back he's always had success with. Went and got Leonard Fournette. Beefed up the O-line. Because the O-line for Jacksonville has been so underrated all year. That's been the real key to their success. Been Well, not the only key. But that's been such a big part of their success has been the O-line. And he went out and he got Cam Robinson. And he made a lot of other upgrades to that O-line and beefed them up. And just he's gotten that team is really big along both lines. They have a really strong running game. And that's, you know, that's. Those are kind of the hallmarks of the Tom Coughlin team. So if you want to talk about, you know, the team looking like a Tom Coughlin team, yeah, looks like a Tom Coughlin team. So I will say that there is a big Tom Coughlin influence. No, I agree. I just, I was, I was hoping that you would say that because I was thinking the exact same thing, um, and I was, I was really hoping that we were gonna be in agreement on that. 
I think Tom Coughlin is, is really the, the only thing in on the entire Jacksonville, you know, side of the story that worries me going into next week. Yeah, um, no, it just it's and terrifying. I'm, I'm looking ahead to Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm very very afraid of Tom Coughlin. But anyway, though, Joe, it's been good having you. We've been talking to. Job Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. You're going to come on next week, Job, talk about uh, hope, hopefully. I will talk, hopefully. We'll be talking about hopefully a Super Bowl appearance. Hopefully not a Blake Bortles, Nick Foles Super Bowl, which is a real possibility. Ho- hopefully not, but I would, I would, if I were <laughs> you, I'd be rooting for Nick Foles uh, <laughs> over having to potentially play Minnesota at home. I would absolutely agree with you. But anyway, though, <laughs> I'll see you next week, Job, and good talking to you. So we were just talking to Job Gudrid of Real Sports 101.com. We were, it's time, it was time to do your job as it is every week. We'll be talking to him next week. Anyway, though, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, or you've been watching the official Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. And with all that, we will be right back in just a few minutes. We'll be talking, really covering the other three sports, now that we've only been talking about football this whole show. But I have some self stuff I want to talk about. I want to talk about the exciting MLB offseason. Even have a little Bruins note. A little uh, bit breaking news on the Bruins I want to talk about. So anyway, whether you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, I'm going to go try to find E-Love, and we will be right back. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. The wood from which tree clad America's Revolutionary War sailing ship, Old Ironsides. A tree that can live well over 100 years. Go to the Arbor Day Foundation website, arborday.org, to answer your questions about trees. Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. Live oak wood clad old ironsides, which British warships could never sink. And once planted, sturdy live oaks can live for well over a century. Go to arborday.org for whatever you need to know about trees. See which oaks or other trees from America's abundant choices are right for planting where you live. See how to plant trees to help clear the air and protect the land. That website again is arborday.org. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the Gangsta Rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. Operation Sandown. No una mano, un folleto. Operation Sandown. Mamón para levantar, no mamón para entregar. Operation Sandown. Giving Rhode Island veterans a hand up, not a hand out. Operation Sandown Rhode Island is your local nonprofit that helps veterans readjust to civilian life. We assist veterans and their families in need with services which include housing, temporary financial assistance, employment, and basic human needs. Operation Sandown leading Rhode Island veterans back to a path of self-reliance. To donate, go to osdri.org.
Yes. This is gonna be good. Awesome. I, I can't even remember the last time I was at a concert. I know, it's been like ages. Man, I can't believe you got tickets. Yeah, Josh, you the man. You were the man. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Don't thank me yet. I mean, it might not be as good as I say. You never know what Whatever, bro. I mean, guys, 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 we gotta keep moving if we're gonna get there early. Hustling up, hustling up. <laughs> Wait, hold on, guys. Uh, ATM machine, I'm a little light on cash. Yo, wait up, Greg, man. I think I might have some for you. Yep. You can be my sugar daddy? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, man. Wow. Whoa, 50 bucks. Pretty generous. Hey. <laughs> you sure you're Jewish? Oh, come on, Josh. Don't get all sensitive on me, man. It was just a joke. It was a joke. Will you tell him, Rob? What? What do you want me to tell him? That I didn't think it was funny either? The first step in fighting prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. This holiday season, our friends at Ronzio's Pizza and Subs would like to remind our listeners to not text while driving. The National Safety Council reported last year alone there were over 1.6 million traffic accidents caused by texting while driving. Doesn't matter how old you are or how much driving experience you have, it's never safe. Ronzio's Pizzas and Subs reminds you stay alive, don't text and drive, for your safety and the rest of ours. This important reminder was from Ronzio's Pizza and Subs, located at 35 Smithfield Road in North Providence. For more information or to order, you can visit them online at ronziopizzaprovidence.com. Wishing everyone a safe and happy holiday season. They're on the air because they care. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. Point seven WXIN Stadium experience. Jake Elms here. Elam is not coming back to me. <laughs> he doesn't want to come play with me anymore. Probably mad that I said that the Bengals commit a lot of crimes. But anyway, we were just talking to Joe Gugit of Real Sports 101.com. We have only been talking Patriots this entire program and Steelers and Jaguars. We haven't just been talking Patriots, but we've been talking football generally. If you want to chime in about any of these topics, do not be afraid to call in at 401 456 9946 or at 401-456-8787, or hop on Facebook. Look up The Stadium Experience with Jake Elms. You'll find the Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Anyway, we just have a couple last-minute things we want to talk about. Usually the last segment is kind of the unwind time. And first of all, breaking news that I've only gotten in the last hour, really breaking the last hour of belief in the Boston Herald is... Dino uh will have... His familiar partner, Dennis Seidenberg, who was officially in. Coming in the last uh, hour, really, I think the news kind of broke, that Renee Rancourt, who has been the national anthem guy for the Bruins forever, since the dawn of time, 
seemingly, is going to retire at the end of the season. I don't really know how. Yeah, no. Rancor has been the National Anthem guy since 1975, which is insane. And I just wanted to mention that because, like, I would, I remember I would just watch, like, on, like, TV, like, classic Bruins games would pop up and I'd be watching it with my dad. My dad would know all the freaking players and know the entire thing. My dad was a giant Bruins fan, but, and he'd be, and we'd see the guy pop out. And we're like, it's the same National Anthem guy. I didn't even know his name until today, honestly. I'm not going to act like I knew who Renee, what his name was until today, but it's Renee Rancourt, but he'd pass, but he'd just pop up on the TV. It's like, oh my God, it's, that guy's been doing this for how long? And apparently it's been since 1975, but he, as of an hour or two hours ago, it's been reported he is going to retire. At the end of the year, so that's that's my Bruins note for this two months. And now we're gonna not talk about hockey for a long, long time again until unless something I find funny happens. So I hope you enjoyed that, hockey fans, because that's all you're gonna get from this program for a while. Anyway, back to something way, way more exciting, way more riveting is, of course, MLB offseason. Baseball offseason, the exciting sport. And let's have one question to ask about the uh, about the MLB offseason, and that's uh, where is it? <laughs> where, 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 oh, where <laughs> is the MLB? Nowhere. And really, and after since John Carlo got traded, John Carlo Stanton got traded, which was bonkers and made me think this was going to be a. Well, I mean, most of us think, oh, this is going to be a, such an exciting MLB free agency, guys. This is going to be a big one. And then literally nothing has happened. Pitchers and catchers report on February 13th for most teams in less than a month. And none of the marquee free agents have signed yet. Not a single one. And I don't know what to blame for this, but honestly, it, it make, it's fitting. It's fitting that the sport that is only somehow finding ways to get slower and less entertaining and is just more and more resistant to doing the opposite of those things is also having a slow, super boring offseason, which I'm desperate. I want the baseball news. I want it. That's it. That's all I could do. I had to write the sports brief for XIN today and my headline for baseball was nothing. Nothing's happened. That's that's news. That's newsworthy. Like it's it's newsworthy how little is happening. It's ridiculous. Crap. I want I want moves. I want stupid I want stupid moves. I want something to happen. But some of the guys who namely the big name, the guy who's a big name around here at least, the guy who's probably the most relevant to Boston is that JD Martinez still not signed. Obviously he's nobody's signed. But JD Martinez now his agent Scott Boris, you know the the Scott Boris has come out and said that if JD Martinez, you know, if teams don't get to the contract he wants, he's willing to hold out in the spring training. Which let's hope that's not the trend, because once that becomes a trend, that'll be the trend forever, and then every MLB offseason will be this boring. So hopefully Martinez signs soon, because I feel like once something happens. Once one hat drops, everything's going to start to happen all at once, and it'll all be wrapped up within a week. But as of right now, just, it's so dull. And I want something to happen of any sort of freaking interest. So just, I guess we'll get to the report, so that what's been coming out, though, is that the 
Red Sox offered J.D. Martinez recently, like it's broken, like within this day, that specifically what the deal is, that J.D. Martinez has been offered by the Red Sox a five-year, $100 million deal. There were some rumblings about a fifth-year, about a six-year option at one point, but seemingly that's not involved just from all the reports. I've been reading the more recent reports that there is no fifth-year option, so... That would be a good deal for one thing. I'll just put that one there. I, the red because I've been a bigger proponent of JD Martinez than most people, and I understand why most people aren't. I just want the power now. I want the Red Sox to capitalize on what core they're able to maintain. So I think that they have a very small window. So I would like them to get the power in sooner rather than later. And that deal that would not be a prohibitive contract, I don't think, because inevitably JD Martinez is not going to live up to a giant giant deal. He won't. He's not going to hit forty five home runs. He's not. But. 20 million a year, I could accept him being for a couple of years a 30 million home run guy. That feels within value. That feels valuable. That feels like that would be an okay contract. So if that's a deal, and unless Scott Boris is willing to bring this in to the offseason, willing to have him hold out in the spring training, to that, I would hope that the Red Sox don't yield on that. I hope that the Red Sox don't look at, or any team, also, obviously, I hope that the teams don't look at him trying to have him hold out and go and get panicked and offer him more money. Because the fact that he's going out and saying that they're going to hold out and having and leaking it to reporters and having them saying that they're going to hold out says to me that he's scared that Scott Boris knows that they're probably not going to get what they want. And that means that he's getting antsy and that means that the teams do have the upper hand. So hopefully some stupid team doesn't because I want the Red Sox to offer more than what they offered him. So hopefully some stupid team doesn't fly out of nowhere, get panicky, and offer him $30 million a year. Because at that point, I just back off from the Red Sox. I, ba- I back off. I, I, okay, good for you. You get J.D. Martinez at that. But hopefully this means that the other teams stand pat with their offers, and then hopefully he won't pick the Red Sox, so hopefully he would pick the Red Sox, but that they stand pat with those deals, and that is what ends up happening, which is a dumb way to say that. But that the Red Sox... Stamp Pat and the other team Stamp Pat and that they wait and don't sign JD don't get panicking off for JD Martinez some stupid deal and also I hope that something anything 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 happens because God I cannot imagine if this was just a baseball show I can't imagine the poor souls who have to just cover baseball I can't imagine what the MLB network is doing right now I can't imagine any of it so bless my heart is out to all baseball writers all baseball analysts my my heart is is out to you because God, nothing's happening. It's amazing. So, yeah, good good luck. Good luck to the rest of you. So I'm going to move on to baseball now, to baseball, to basketball now, because I'm just rapid firing getting the other sports out in the last segment because we had way more football stuff, and that's that last night the Celtics' seven-game winning streak was snapped when they lost at home last night, 116-113, to to the Pelicans, Anthony Davis had like 45 points. Anthony Davis went off. Kyrie had an okay night. Tice was really good at a point, which is weird. But I don't, you know, I I don't, I try to stay out of the habit of analyzing random regular season NBA games because honestly, that's that's stupid and the games are meaningless. So I'm not going to, I don't want to analyze it too much. But what I do want to talk about is that the trade deadline is coming up. Trade deadline is in a little over, I think about, about three weeks. The NBA trade deadline this year is on February 8th, specifically at 3 p.m. So the trade deadline, is that a Wednesday? Wait a minute. Actually, give me one quick second. Is that going to be on a Wednesday this year? Is it? Come on. 
Come on. It will be on a Thursday. It was on a Thursday last year when the show used to be on Thursday, so I mean, that makes sense. But anyway, so I'm going to be a day late to that, so that's great. But the trade deadline for the NBA, it's coming up. And the most striking thing about it is that obviously out of like the last three, four years, this is like the least, the least meaningful it's been as a Celtics fan to the Celtics fans, players, media, whomever, the Celtics aficionados of the world that the last couple of years, we've, including me, we've all been so geared up during the trade deadline. You know, all the rumors, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, DeMarcus Cousins. It's so weird this year now that they don't have the Nets pick. Like now that, you know, they, that the, the, they basically kind of the out of the, of the war chest of assets from, well, not out of the assets, but just out of the tradable stuff. They're not, they seemingly wouldn't be in as many trades. They've kind of made their trades, drafted their players. They obviously still have the Lakers pick, but seemingly the, Celtics aren't, you know, there's no chance they make some, fr- which they never made the big franchise altering move at the deadline. But we can always talk about it because there's always a chance, but it doesn't seem like that chance is there this year. So it's just, it's so striking how the deadline just feels so much less important this year. And I kind of forgot about it for a little while. Like I only just started, like, I remember, like, last year in, like, December, I'd be reading, like, trade rumors. I'd be getting hyped. I'd be looking at trade targets. And now, like, I just remembered it. I'm like, oh, like, Lou Williams might get traded this year. That's, again, that's exciting. But, now that doesn't mean, though, that with the deadline coming, I don't think that the Celtics will make additions or should make additions. Because the Celtics, they've been much better this year than I could have expected. Every player, mostly, most, basically the entire team has exceeded my expectations, in all honesty. But, what I will say is that the the Celtics obviously have flaws. And, there's two main flaws, and there are two main flaws, or at least there are two main flaws that they could address at the deadline, or just they could address with players who could be available. The first, obviously, you know, the big one, kind of the same one that there was last year, is the first is, and really the same two problems they had last year, but they're not as bad as they were last year because they have actual NBA players and not scrappy throwaways from the Mavericks as their entire team. Now, the thing that's been a problem with the team the last couple of years, really, is the, the interior defense, the rebounding on the inside, the... Pr- Paint protection, it's still not, it's not great. It's better this year. It's been better with Baines being better, with Baines being here, with Tice occasionally being good, with Horford playing really a lot better in every aspect of the game. So that's been better, but still been a problem for them. And then the other problem, and honestly the problem that I would rather see the team address if it's one or the other, and the problem that I think fixing will be will help them out a lot more, not a, is the fact that they could use one more guy who can score off the bench which they, do, they don't have a lot of consistent scoring coming off the bench right now. They have Marcus Morris, who has been good. He's probably in the best, one of the best scorers at the bench. And then they have Rozier, who was really good at the start of the year, had a bad midsection, and then kind of recently has elevated his game back up, and he's been back to being a fairly consistent guy who can score a couple of points off the bench. But they need more. They do need more of that, and they need they could use another established player in that position. That's why I think is more important, because... Yes, the interior defense isn't great, but a lot of the teams, are, really all the teams they'd be contending with, the Warriors, the Rockets, the Cavs, none of them really have that in spades either. And what they're going to need, though, is they're going to be, they're going to need to be, even with their defense being as good as it is, as it is, they're going to be, they're going to need to be able to outscore those teams. So I think bringing in the better scoring would be a lot better for this team than bringing in the defense on the inside. Now, the problem is, though, that you're reading the reports this year that a lot of the teams who have the guys players would want, like the Pelicans with Tyreek Evans, the Clippers with Lou Williams, that these teams are really insistent on getting first-round picks for these guys. 
And that's prohibitive to a lot of teams. I think that's also prohibitive to the Celtics. I don't think the Celtics would want to pay that. I wouldn't really want them to pay that, even if it was a Celtics. Well, maybe if it was for their own first-round pick. But that's a high price pay for these players. And teams are asking for more for these players than they have in the past. Now, a thing for the Celtics. And now, where I th- think the Celtics, though, where I, th- where I actually do first see the Celtics being active, what I do think they will do to where I do think they will go to improve their team is that the Celtics, though, they can be very active on the buyout market. They can be very active signing players who get bought out by teams. The Greg Monroe's, Derek Flavors, Derek Flavors, Derek Favors, other guys, because honestly, I can't find a good list of buyout candidates online. I really can't. I looked everywhere, Bleacher Report, SB Nation, none of them. None of them are up- uploading like a good list of good buyout candidates. You can find every other stupid deadline theme list, but you can't find a buyout candidates list anywhere. So for the sports websites out there, if you guys want some clicks from me, put out a buyout candidate list. But still, there are good players out there who could fill these needs for the Celtics who could be getting bought out. And the reason I say that the Celtics can be especially active on the buyout market is... That they still have that disabled player exception that they got because of Gordon Hayward going down. It's $8.4 million. And the important thing to remember is it's not just for trades. It's not just a trade exception. They basically have $8.4 million in extra cap room that they can go out and play around with. That they can designate players to use this extra $8.4 million on. And that's why I think that they can, the Celtics can legitimately go out to these guys who get bought out by their teams and who otherwise most years, you know, last year you had Deron Williams, the big man who I won't name. Other players, these guys who get bought out, they then go and, you know, they either go and play for crap teams and rebuild their value or they take vet min deals with good team, with contending teams and try to basically chase a ring. Now the Celtics, though, what they can do for these guys is they can offer them more than that vet min. They could legitimately go up to say, Greg Monroe and be like, hey, we can give you $8 million. Instead of a vet men, we'll give you $8 million out to finish the year. Now, also, you won't be able to play as much as you would if you just went to a suck fest like the Nets or something. And you probably make the same amount of money, but you know what? You can stay here and you'll be on a good team. You'll win. You won't play a lot, but you'll make your money. You'll make more money than you'll make anywhere else this time of year. So having that disabled player exception, which, by the way, they'll still have if Gordon Hayward comes back, which now the report's coming out that Gordon Hayward's doing super well, and he would obviously help them with their scoring, obviously. I hope that they don't rush Gordon Hayward back, is all I'm saying. I really hope they don't rush him back. They're not trying to rush him back, because I want him to be fully healthy for next year, but he could also be a guy who could, obviously, if he came back, could come off the bench at least score, playing 10, 15 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game, but it doesn't matter because they don't lose this exception if Hayward comes back. They have it and they're not going to lose it. So they basically they have the ability now. They can go out to buy out candidates and offer them more money and the chance at more success than any other any other one of these teams, any other team in the league will be able to do. Basically, they will be able to give these teams the best of both worlds, which will be Huge. So, yeah. So, hopefully, we'll see some decent players, some guys who can fill those needs for the Celtics. Even then, if they go out... I'm not saying I don't... I wouldn't... I would be mad if they go out and fix the in, the rebounding issues or the interior defensive issues, because that'll... It's a problem. If they fix it, I'm not going to be mad. And if, you know, if Greg Monroe is the best player out there by a wide margin, or Derek Favors is the best player out there by a wide margin, and the best player out there is somebody who fixes those issues, I hope they get that guy. You know, because I don't want them to go and get a crap player who they just think can score. So... Hopefully they'll be able to do that. Hopefully they'll be able to go out and improve the team and just 
be better for the rest of the season. Anyway, though, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. It's that time of day every every week when I say goodbye to you. We will be back, though, next week, 4 to 6 p.m., right here in the 90.7 WXIN studio. We will also be, as we are every week, be broadcasting live on the official stadium, on the, excuse me, on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Anyway, though, once again, thank you to everybody who's been listening, everybody who's been watching, everybody who's been commenting. We will be back next week. Joe Goodrell will be joining us. We'll be talking, hopefully, about a Patriots victory. Hopefully not about a Jack. Once again, hopefully not about a Blake Bortles, Nick Foles Super Bowl. But anyway, though, once again, you have been listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. I am happy to be back. I'm glad to be back. And we will see you next week.